Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 88. Do you have times in your life where you say, why is God doing things this way? Why is he allowing this kind of thing to happen? Why why do it this way? Well, our episode today is looking at different people like David and Paul and Barnabas as they wrestle with these questions and as they try to work through them with others and really understanding what it means to trust God's ways. And so I hope as we read these passages together, uh, we'll learn how to do this, what this looks like, and how ultimately we can trust in God's ways no matter what our circumstances are like. So we begin today in 1 Samuel 21 with David on the run from Saul. 1 Samuel 21, David went to Ahimelech, the priest at Nob. Ahimelech was shaking with fear when he met David and said to him, why are you by yourself with no one accompanying you? David replied to Ahimelech, the priest, the king instructed me to do something, but he said to me, don't let anyone know the reason I'm sending you or the instructions I've given you. I've told my soldiers to wait at a certain place. Now, what do you have at your disposal? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever can be found. The priest replied to David, I don't have any ordinary bread at my disposal. Only holy bread is available, and then only if your soldiers have abstained from relations with women. David said to the priest, Certainly women have been kept away from us, just as on previous occasions when I have been sent out. The soldiers' equipment is holy, even on ordinary journeys. How much more will they be holy today, along with their equipment? So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there other than the bread of the presence. It had been removed from before the Lord in order to replace it with hot bread on the day it had been taken away. One of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg the Edomite, who was in charge of Saul's shepherds. David said to Ahimelech, Is there no sword or spear here at your disposal? I don't have my own sword or equipment in hand due to the urgency of the king's instructions. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, is wrapped in a garment behind the ephod. If you wish, take it for yourself. Other than that one, there's no sword here. David said, There's nothing like it. Give it to me. So on that day, David rose and fled from Saul. He went to King Achish of Gath. The servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sang about when they sang and danced, saying, Saul struck down his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. David thought about what they said and was very afraid of Achish, king of Gath. He altered his behavior in their presence. Since he was in their power, he pretended to be insane, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting his saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, Look at this madman. Why did you bring him to me? Do I have a shortage of fools so that you have brought me this man to display his insanity in front of me? Should this man enter my house? So David left there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and the rest of his father's family learned about it, they went down there to him. All those who were in trouble or owed someone money or were discontented gathered around him, and he became their leader. He had about 400 men with him. Then David went from there to Mizpah in Moab, where he said to the king of Moab, 
Please let my father and mother stay with you until I know what God is going to do for me. So he had them stay with the king of Moab. They stayed with him the whole time that David was in the stronghold. Then Gad the prophet said to David, Don't stay in the stronghold, go to the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. But Saul found out the whereabouts of David and the men who were with him. Now Saul was sitting at Gibeah under the tamarisk tree at an elevated location with his spear in hand and his servants stationed around him. Saul said to his servants, Listen up, you Benjaminites. Is Jesse's son giving fields and vineyards to all of you? Or is he making all of you commanders and officers? For all of you have conspired against me. No one informs me when my own son makes an agreement with the son of Jesse. Not one of you feels sorry for me or informs me that my own son has commissioned my own servant to hide in ambush against me, as is the case today. But Doeg the Edomite, who had stationed himself with the servants of Saul, replied, I saw the son of Jesse come to Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, at Nob. He inquired of the Lord for him and gave him provisions. He also gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king arranged for a meeting with the priest of uh, the priest Elimelech, son of Ahitub, and all the priests of his father's house who were at Nob. They all came to the king. Then Saul said, Listen, son of Ahitub. He replied, Here I am, my lord. Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and this son of Jesse? You gave him bread and a sword and inquired of God on his behalf, so that he opposes me and waits in ambush, as is the case today. Ahimelech replied to the king, who among all your servants is faithful like David? He is the king's son-in-law, the leader of your bodyguard, and honored in your house. Was it just today that I began to inquire of God on his behalf? Far be it from me. The king should not accuse his servant or any of my father's house, for your servant is not aware of all this, not in whole or in part. But the king said, You will surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the messengers who were stationed beside him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, for they too have sided with David. They knew he was fleeing, but they did not inform me. But the king's servants refused to harm the priests of the Lord. Then the king said to Doeg, You turn and strike down the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck down the priests. He killed that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. As for Nob, the city of priests, Doeg struck down men and women, children and infants, oxen, donkeys, and sheep, all with the sword. But one of the sons of Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, escaped and fled to David. His name was Abiathar. Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would certainly tell Saul, I am guilty of all the deaths in your father's house. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. Whoever seeks my life is seeking your life as well. You are secure with me. Well, there's David struggling in the midst of all the losses and the pain. And we hear the same struggle later on in Psalm uh, 52 and Psalm 42 as well that describe his time hiding in the caves here. But before we go to that, we'll move towards 1 Chronicles chapter 5. The sons of Reuben, Israel's firstborn. Now he was the firstborn, but when he defiled his father's bed, his rights as firstborn were given to the sons of Joseph, Israel's son. So Reuben is not listed as firstborn in the genealogical records. Though Judah was the strongest among his brothers and a leader descended from him, the right of the firstborn belonged to Joseph. The sons of Reuben, Israel's firstborn, Hanak, Palul, Hezron, and Carmi. The descendants of Joel, his son Shemaliah, his son Kog, and his son Shimei. His son Micah, and his son Rei, and his son Baal. 
and his son Berah, whom King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria carried into exile. Berah was the tribal leader of Reuben. His brother, by their clans, as listed in their genealogical records, are the leaders of Jeel, Zechariah, and Baal, son of Azaz, son of Shema, son of Joel. They lived in Eror as far as Nebo and Baal-Meon. In the east, they settled as far as the entrance to the west to the wilderness that stretches from, to the Euphrates River, for their cattle had increased in numbers in the land of Gilead. During the time of Saul, they attacked the Hagrites and defeated them. They took over their territory in the entire region of Gilead. The descendants of Gad lived near them in the land of Bashan, as far as Zelakah. They included Joel the leader, Zaphim the second in command, Janai and Shaphat in Bashan. Their relatives listed according to their families included Michael, Meshulah, Sheba, Jorai, Jachin, Zia, Eber, seven in all. These were the sons of Abahel, son of Ahuri, son of Jaru, son of Gilead, son of Michael, son of Jeshishiah, son of Jado, son of Buzz. Ahi, the son of Abdiel, son of Guni, was the leader of the family. They lived in Gilead, in Bashan, and in its surrounding settlements, and in the pasture lands of Sharon, Sharon, to the very borders. All of them were listed in the genealogical records in the time of King Jotham of Judah, and in the time of King Jeroboam of Israel. The Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had 44,760 men in their combined armies. Warriors who carried shields and swords were equipped with bows and were trained for war. They attacked the Hagrites, Jetur, Naphish, and Nodab. They received divine help in fighting them, and all the Hagrites and all their allies were handed over to them. They cried out to God during the battle. He responded to their prayers because they trusted in him. They seized the Hagrites' animals, including 50,000 camels, 250,000 sheep, and 2,000 donkeys. They also took captive 100,000 people. Because God fought for them, they killed many of the enemy. They dispossessed the Hagrites and lived in their land until the exile. The half-tribe of Manasseh settled in the land from Bashan as far as Baal Hermon, Zener, and Mount Hermon. They grew in their number. These were the leaders of their families, Ephor, Ishi, Eliel, Azrael, Jeremiah, Hodaviah, and Jadiel. They were skilled warriors, men of reputation, and leaders of their families. But they were unfaithful to the God of their ancestors and worshipped instead the gods of the native peoples whom God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up King Pool of Assyria, that is, King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria. And he carried away the Reubenites, Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh, and took them to Halal, Habar, Hara, and the river of Gozan, where they remain to this very day. And now we continue on with Psalm 52, a psalm that describes part of David's journeys as he was running from Saul. Psalm 52. For the music director, a well-written song by David. It was written when Dueg the Edomite went and informed Saul, saying, David has arrived at the home of Ahimelech. Why do you boast about your evil plans, O powerful man? God's loyal love protects me all day long. Your tongue carries out your destructive plans. It is as effective as a sharp razor, O deceiver. You love evil more than good, lies more than speaking the truth. You love to use all the words that destroy and the tongue that deceives. Yet God will make you a permanent heap of ruins. He will scoop you up and remove you from your home. He will uproot you from the land of the living. When the godly see this, they will be filled with awe and will mock the evildoer, saying, Look, here is the one who would not make God his protector. 
He trusted in his great wealth and was confident about his plans to destroy others. But I am like a flourishing olive tree in the house of God. I continually trust in God's loyal love. I will continually thank you when you execute judgment. I will rely on you for your loyal followers know that you are good. And then we'll read another psalm, Psalm 142, which is a psalm of David that he wrote describing his time in the cave. Psalm 142, a well-written song by David when he was in the cave, a prayer. To the Lord I cry out, to the Lord I plead for mercy. I pour out my lament before him. I tell him about my troubles. Even when my strength leaves me, you watch my footsteps. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. No one cares about me. I have nowhere to run. No one is concerned about my life. I cry out to you, O Lord. I say, you are my shelter, my security in the land of the living. Listen to my cry for help, for I am in serious trouble. Rescue me from those who chase me, for they are stronger than I am. Free me from prison, that I may give thanks to your name. Because of me, the godly will assemble, for you will vindicate me. So there, David, I think in many ways, is calling out to God and in one sense trying to convince his heart to keep trusting God because God is a God who has saved them, saved him in the past. He knows he's faithful. He knows that God is loving. And so he keeps trusting God through it all, recognizing God's character and what he is like and how God acts sometimes in ways that you don't expect. And yet David says he's going to keep trusting God because God is a God of mercy and a God of justice. And we conclude today uh, by picking up our story in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15. And in this story in Acts 15, we hear Paul and Barnabas describing their first missionary journey and really working with the rest of the leaders of the church to solve the disagreement that was coming up about whether new believers needed to follow the Jewish laws or not. Acts chapter 15. Now some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, saying, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. When Paul and Barnabas had a major argument and debate with them, the church appointed Paul and Barnabas and some others from among them to go up to meet with the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about this point of disagreement. So they were sent on their way by the church, and as they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, they were relating at length the conversion of the Gentiles and bringing great joy to all the brothers. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all all the things that God had had done with them. But some from the religious party of the Pharisees who had believed stood up and said, It is necessary to circumcise the Gentiles in order to bring them and to order them to observe the law of Moses. Both the apostles and the elders met together to deliberate about this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that some time ago God chose me to preach to the Gentiles so they would hear the message of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, has testified to them by giving them the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between them and us, cleansing their hearts by faith. So now why are you putting to God to the test by placing on the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither our ancestors nor we are able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they are. The whole group kept quiet and listened to Barnabas and Saul while they explained all the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. 
After they stopped speaking, James replied, saying, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has explained how God first concerned himself to select from among the Gentiles a people for his name. The words of the prophets agree with this, as it is written, After this I will return and will rebuild the fallen tent of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it, so that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, namely all the Gentiles I have called to be my own, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. Therefore, I conclude that we should not cause extra difficulty for those among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we should write them a letter telling them to abstain from things defiled by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For Moses has had those who proclaim him in every town from ancient times because he is read aloud in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to send men chosen from among them, Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leaders among the brothers, to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent this letter with them. From the apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile brothers and sisters in Antioch, Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some have gone out from among us with no orders from us and have confused you, upsetting your minds by what they said, we have unanimously decided to choose men to send to you along with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for this name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas, who will tell you these things themselves in person. For it seemed best to the Holy Spirit and to us not to place any greater burden on you than these necessary rules, that you abstain from, the, from meat that has been sacrificed to idols, and from blood and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from doing these things, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were dismissed, they went down to Antioch, and after gathering the entire group together, they delivered the letter. When they read it aloud, the people rejoiced at its encouragement. Both Judas and Silas, who were prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with a long speech. After they had spent some time there, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But, Barnabas and, but Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and proclaiming, along with many others, the word of the Lord. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's return and visit the brothers in every town where we proclaim the word of the Lord to see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to bring John, called Mark, along with them too, but Paul insisted that they should not take along this one who had left them in Pamphylia and had not accompanied them in the work. They had a sharp disagreement so that they parted company. Barnabas took along Mark and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and set out, commended to the grace of the Lord by the brothers and sisters. He passed through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And so we have in this description of Paul and Barnabas's journey and the difficulties with people wondering whether they should follow the circumcision laws or not, God's answer. And God's answer comes through the faithful leaders of the church who are willing to listen to his will and his ways, even though it may go differently than some of them thought. And it all shows us, together with the stories from David, how ultimately a life of serving and loving God is a life of trusting God's ways. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved.
Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You're-